What is up, my people? Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church's Sermon Spotlight, where we're coming at you each and every week with a fresh service to debrief an effort to send biblical truth. What better way to do that than by the power of conversation? I'm Mark Francis in the host seat, the middle seat today. Um, and joining us once again, Miss um, Rose Locke. How are you? I'm great. You know, Very happy I was to be here. chatting with you earlier today. Yes. trying to explain your job title to oh, somebody right. else and i it, it just completely eluded me oh. <laughs> i went to go look it up yeah and what is it worship production coordinator and creative director maybe <laughs> it's something like that whatever you want to be production manager okay. and creative designer creative designer it's even better real. that yeah. that's my title but i'm not wow. gonna retain that but wow yeah yeah and you do more than that so. I don't know what I do. Sometimes <laughs> I just run around the building from from like I, I pop in a room. I say, hi, how are you today? What are you working on? Oh, great. And then I walk down the hall and I see someone else. I say, hi, how are you today? What are you working on? Oh, great. That's, great. Like, that's part of my job is just to walk around and kind of keep everybody. Well, right now you're your sermon spotlight color yeah. commentator. Okay, so, great. Love it. And you've heard his voice, not the host today, but the person in the hot seat. That is, his seat's especially hot. His hot today. seat today, Caleb Pearson. How so, are you? Good. How are you? Your job title doesn't define all of what you do as well. No, it doesn't. Director of Student Ministries. Yeah. But um, Keystone with toss some Keystone, young adults. Toss some podcasts and toss podcasts, some preaching. Some pulpit yeah. time. It's a yeah. lot. Well, thank you for sharing um, the Word of God this past weekend, Yeah, where we're unpacking and digging deeper in the book of Acts. And um, I'm going to ask you a quick question first before I go to Rose to kind of give us a little bit of a rundown. Yeah, um, there, There's six weeks here that we're going into this digging deeper um, topic. Some of them went to Mark Carey, some of them went to you, mm -hmm. some of them are going to go into Tim Sanford. How did you guys shake out these topics? And by the way, we haven't even unveiled what they all are yet to the church. So we're just winging it one week at a time. Uh, oh, the yeah. church is showing up. I'm like, what's the what digging the deeper topic mm -hmm. today? So how did you guys filter That's through so that? so cool. I wish I could do that every week. Uh, it, it was this past spring, probably maybe early summer, we all, the three of us sat down and said, okay, here are some things Mark knew we should revisit that, that we're already kind of glossing over, so to speak, in the book of Acts. And so he gave Tim and I the opportunity to throw topics in there as well and say, hey, we, you know, I feel like we could go deeper on this, go deeper on that. And then towards the end of the summer, early, early fall, I guess, we finalized who was going to take which one. So we had the opportunity to each kind of say, I'd love to, love to do that one. Like casting lots, drawing straws. Yeah, right. You know, exactly. Flip the card, um, see what so happens. So I, I jumped on these two that I'm doing, one I just did and one I'm doing this coming weekend. Uh, but all of it is, is kind of hard stuff. Uh, that's the reason we didn't get totally into it last time. You know, you're going through a, a book of the Bible, you want to do the, the scripture justice, the passage justice. So when you do that, you honor the Word of God there, but there are certainly other areas in the Bible and, and other ways that that topic could be done justice. And so the, the effort then is to revisit that. Dig deeper in the book of Acts, but you've already kind of noticed that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to stay there. Yeah. Uh, we're going to find something, and, and odds are if God has said it once, He has said it multiple times. So how can we how can we bring all of Scripture together to kind of honor a little bit about what McManigal unpacked in the two-week interim for Global Church Week? We're, mm. we're trying to kind of tie it all together. Mm. So well, you, you, that's kind of how it came about. You went to Acts 4. That was where we went. Mm -hmm. And from Acts 4, you referenced that Mark took one week for the entire chapter. And now let's go mm -hmm. deeper into this. So, Rose, I'll turn to you. We have the topic of sovereignty of God that, is, mm -hmm. that Caleb chose. 
He chose this for a <laughs> did I choose it or he did God said. ordain it? Oh, there Let's you go. figure this out. Let's talk about it. And uh, I chose it. Get yeah. into it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so, what did, what did you glean from this, Rose? And I wanted oh, to kind wow. of just give us the summary of kind of what you what did I what glean? You, so Caleb's so like, okay, Rose, you asked me hard questions now. What yeah. did you glean? <laughs> well, I I thought um, I I really. Um, liked a couple things that Caleb said. I thought they were they were very intriguing to me and I I want to spend some more time chewing on them. Um, one of them is uh, he said a couple times if we fully understand God's sovereignty uh, I, I didn't write it exactly here although I could look back at this <laughs> transcript and see but um, something to the effect of like if we fully understand the sov- a sovereign and their power then Caleb said I feel bad for the sovereign like so God isn't we we can never completely understand all these topics about God and I appreciated that I appreciated that statement twice Caleb because it helped me it helped me feel grace in my struggle to totally understand this topic about God. Mm-hmm. So that was just a, an example of God's grace in the in the course of you sharing it. Um, I also really liked the quotes that you started with, the Sproul quote yep. and the Packer quote. I did I did bring those with me because I felt like those quotes um, those quotes really deserve some conversation and some digging into too. You know, R.C. Mm-hmm. Sproul, people do a good job claiming God's sovereignty, then they live like man is sovereign. Mm-hmm. You know, and that is really something to think about because if God is sovereign, how can I choose to live outside of that sovereignty? But that's mm-hmm. the implication of the Sproul quote. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do have to say that I love it when we land in the Psalms, because no matter what you're learning about God and how hard it is to learn, um, there should be a worship response, right? Mm-hmm. And the Psalms are such beautiful worship responses. So I did um, Psalm 146, which is where you went. Mm-hmm. You know, it just praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing. Praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Just so the the way that, like, right there is kind of a response to the Sproul quote in a sense. How can we, like, why would we put our trust in men who aren't Mm -hmm. sovereign and, and pretend like they are when we get to serve and have our life and breath and being in mm-hmm. this one sovereign God. So I appreciated you, you going there. So I don't know if my, ref- that's, well, those great. are some yeah, of the things yeah. that I took away from, sure. from what you taught. I mean, without even you me know? asking you questions, Caleb, I know there's tons of things that mm-hmm. are going to be on the cutting room floor. Yep. So just respond to Rose, Psalm 146, but just what things did you want to really cover more even here and now? Yeah, so once I went back and watched that sermon last year of Acts 4, mm-hmm. and I, I realized, okay, there there is grounds to, to study that word some more mm-hmm. and see where it is elsewhere in Scripture. Because mm-hmm. if, if he did that, right. if we already did it, then it, we're not digging deeper. Then we're just kind of revisiting a passage. Think yeah. about think about that from a congregant's perspective. We did Acts for 18 months. What's next? And then we tell them, Acts uh, for six yeah, weeks. Right. There's a little bit of like, What? So hopefully whatever we're finding is like, oh man, you can tell there were these moments in that series where we did punt the ball down the field a little bit and say, but for now, you know, but for now. And so once I found, and and for me that I I would have loved to spend a little more time in Luke 2 with the Simeon story. It's such a cool story. Even the Revelation verse, sometimes there's there's this tension to just read a verse without its context. So you try to do it justice and share the context. But 
when those words pop up in so many different circumstances, but somebody is acknowledging God as sovereign, and you find that the people in Acts chose to acknowledge him as maker and master and the fact that he's sovereign, I think speaks volumes. Uh, the, the, the church in Acts could have continued to wrestle with God's sovereignty and doubt him, but they didn't. They, they worshiped him as creator and brought to life that exact quote of Psalm 146. Now, even if I, if I put myself in their shoes uh, and I was delivered from prison and cool things happened, I would have prayed, thanks, God, thank you for delivering me from that prison. Now, please give me this, this, and this moving forward or whatever. <laughs> right. But instead, there's this honoring of who God was way before it and insinuating who he will be moving forward. You dive into the psalm, what did they leave out of their prayer that the psalmist didn't? The phrase, he remains faithful forever. And that, I felt like, okay, I want to end there and, and conclude. If you, want to know, if you want to know what God does with his sovereignty, he remains faithful forever. If you want to specifically know at every moment of your life what he's going to do with it, I'll be honest, guys, good luck to you on that one, because he's the one that is sovereign, meaning he is the one that has the power, wisdom, and authority to do anything he chooses with his creation. And so we, we live in that tension. Of, of where we fit and where he's working. But and what it's a exciting. great, like, but, but even just saying that, Caleb, it brings such encouragement to me as an individual. You just said that God can do whatever he wants to mm -hmm. with what he created, right? Mm -hmm. Well, guess what he decided to do in Winchester, Virginia in 2023, right? He decided to allow me to have life and mm. breath and to worship and serve him. Mm -hmm. Right. And and just that reminder that our entire life and our entire being is in existence because of his sovereignty. It, it's such an encouragement to me mm -hmm. as a believer. And it makes me go, OK, what can I do to serve my king? And I bring up sure. that word because um, before this podcast started, we were discussing the definition of sovereignty and right. what it is. Mm -hmm. And at least I associate the word sovereign with a king. And mm -hmm. so I bring that up and I look at you, Caleb, and I say, okay, you had a couple great answers for me when I was asking about definition of sovereignty. So why mm -hmm. don't you share those with everybody? Yeah. And I, I use the example in the sermon, uh, an earthly, worldly example, picture a city on a hill of a king that is sovereign. The authority and control and power has been given to him. Now the analogy falls flat when we're talking about God who is perfect in all his ways, but the the sovereignty of a king is the, the control and authority to, to do things, uh, ultimately relying on his character and ability to do so. Biblical sovereignty and sovereignty when it comes to our perfect God in mind, I would, I would abide by what I mentioned earlier on the podcast. Our God has the power, wisdom, and authority to do anything he chooses with creation. And whatever he chooses to do will happen. And whatever he allows will happen as well. And so you, you, I appreciate you bringing that up and saying, like, man, people are going to already come at it with so many definitions of sovereignty. And we're all going to come. A lot of people realize, oh, he's talking about sovereignty this week. Uh, they assume that means I'm, I'm giving a sermon on free will. Or, 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 oh, that means he's giving a sermon on, on this or that or the other. But we're, we're just trying to talk about a, a God who's in control. And so you can see how easy it is, you know, to get in the weeds and wrestle with it. Yeah. And at, at the end, like afterwards, I was thinking about that picture mm -hmm. of, of a king. And, you know, like I think... I don't know about everybody else around here, but I have this whole like, you know, I, 
I went to medieval times. My kids and I studied medieval mm -hmm. history. So you mm -hmm. got this picture of the fortress and the king and his fiefdom mm -hmm. and all of his little servants down there, like, you know, plowing their fields, right? At least for me, that's the picture that comes to mind when I start thinking about a king. Mm -hmm. And so I actually left the sermon asking myself this question, which is, what is the difference between a good king and a bad king? Mm. Because I also, you laid on there, just as an aside, despotos, right? Mm -hmm. Which I, and Often I asked, negative. I asked mm -hmm. you that, that's prop, that's the root of despot, mm -hmm. right? And a lot of times um, we think of a despot as a bad ruler mm -hmm. or a, um, a dictatorship, which right. also has negative connotations, right? So I left thinking, okay, if a despot is negative and we, and sovereign I don't have a, a negative or positive instinct about that word. Mm -hmm. So is um, so what's a good sovereign like and what's a bad and, and, sovereign but like? But I think the reason you, you know? don't have a positive or negative association with the word sovereign is because it doesn't mean anything until it's dependent on the character of the person. Of the person, So in, yeah. in that analogy of a city and a king, the king's not perfect, so you realize there's crime in the streets. You'd go campaign to the king. Wake up. You need to realize this is happening. Watch mm -hmm. Emperor's New Groove, right? We all have this picture right. of, of a king and a castle in chaos. Yeah. But God is perfect, so we take on faith. Man, there's still sin happening in the alleyway, in the alleyways, and the illustration right. in the alleyways would be here, what we're dealing with now. God is is a perfect, good, and loving, compassionate yeah. sovereign king. And we as, yeah. when we as believers use that word sovereign, that should be what that we're looking at. Thank you. Not yes. the world perspective and view of a king or right. a good king, bad right. king. This or, goes way mm -hmm. beyond that. Yeah. Or and, and it goes I've, way beyond and, just and the, the free will thing. And, that, and so the, the despotos thing, that is what he did cover last year when Mark talked about mm -hmm. it. One of the only things he covered with the word before moving on with the effective prayer of the passage was saying, hey, this is normally a negative word despot yeah. but it is a greek word that means total master and authority and insinuated that it's then it's yeah. dependent on when the you, master when you look at it from this bigger picture perspective mm -hmm. of the sovereignty of god this is mm -hmm. like the age-old time question that humans are asking oh, yeah. the philosophers of the world they're mm -hmm. going back and being like what's the meaning of life who's in control where is all this stuff this mm -hmm. this is the answer and we can we as believers can look to scripture mm -hmm. to understand who God is and how he is sovereign in mm -hmm. the universe. And we don't have to look to the stars or look to say, okay, who's in charge of all this stuff? We have God's mm -hmm. word right. telling us who his character is and how he mm -hmm. is sovereign over all things. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, and I mean, I know I, you guys are going a slightly different direction, but I just wanted to add one of the, the answers to my question about good and bad sovereign. One of the mm -hmm. answers that came to me was, you know, a good sovereign understands his people and shows grace to them. Um, a bad sovereign is just after his own mm -hmm. devices. You know what I mean? So I think one of the things that that like I came out of the sermon encouraged by was that idea that mm -hmm. my God is a good sovereign mm -hmm. and that he shows me love and grace. Yeah. And he rules. He rules with authority and strength, but he shows me love and grace in the mm -hmm. process. That's good. You know? Mark, along with your question of what, what's on the cutting room floor, yeah. what could have we gone into? Lord knows there's a lot of things we could have. Well, One you thing. mentioned even Sermon Spotlight in your oh, sermon. I, yeah. So, so thank so you. Yeah. Romans 1. I'll, I'll read Romans 1 a little bit here yep. in a second if you want to even turn there. But there's one verse I didn't mention, and it's 2 Timothy 2, verse 13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. There is an important theological understanding to God not being able to deny himself mm. and his character mm -hmm. when we wrestle with sovereignty and choice, be it God's, 
or the, the, the things he has allowed to occur in a, in a sinful world, right? Like he cannot deny himself. He cannot act out of accordance mm-hmm. with his character. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a healthy understanding. And so I would encourage that to be a grid we use for our life. Second Timothy 2.13, by the way, it says, if we are faithless, meaning guess what we're capable of doing? <laughs> Making faithless choices. Mm. But he will not change. We change, he doesn't. That's an aside. Let's jump into Romans 1 because I I forget exactly what I said as far as the phrasing of it, but God's been giving people over to their stuff for a long time. And that's actually a very literal truth. Uh, By the way, I didn't even know that was a word. What word? Uh, I can't even say it right. Decretive. Oh, dec- I didn't even know that will. was a word. Yeah. I was like, oh wow, that's I had a really not interesting heard of word. That. It's and a I, weird one. Three times, like three, like I, I heard the sermon three times, and so like <laughs> I'm so every sorry. time, oh, no, it's fine. It, it just ways. makes it, it just got makes, madder every time. It just makes me more <laughs> yeah, yeah. prepared for this yeah. time. It is a word. It's a weird one. <laughs> yeah. And I've even when heard perfect. Yeah, thank will you. Because when you, so when you texted in the podcast group thing, you brought up perfect and permissive. Yes. So now we're getting into nuances a little bit. All I was really unpacking was God's will and this exercise in two different ways, but there are a ton of words people can use for it. So God's will is often described, I'm so sorry, we will get into Romans 1. God's will is often described as perfect will. You'll you'll see some commentaries say decretive will. Mm -hmm. Some commentaries will say hidden Mm. will. And then in terms of permissive will, some commentaries will say perceptive will or revealed will, basically acknowledging there are some things he does that we're not fully aware of until they are decreed and we see them. And then there are some things that God permits. Those are the things we can see. Either you way, see how easy it is, though. Scripture is interpreted by these two uh-huh. yeah. things, right? I, I chose the, the words decretive and permissive because I don't want to suggest God's permissive will is imperfect. Okay. Does that kind of make sense yeah, why I chose decretive? What was if the you other choose... word? There was another word, and I didn't... Perfect, decretive, or hidden will. Hidden, hidden will. versus reveal, yeah, that, revealed. That Again, will, the, the only weird. point I'm mentioning that is because it gets dicey. Everybody starts picking these words yeah. up. You go to your, your favorite, what a detriment this is to Bible study. You go to your favorite theologian or right. some extra biblical resource, and then you go, oh, okay, I, I like that one. Yeah. Let's be careful with that. But, but Romans 1, giving people over to themselves. Uh, here's what it says. Uh, where is it here? Why don't I have it printed? Too much paper in front of you. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, I know. I that's part it. of the problem. Okay, I got Rose it. I got has it. paper. I got it. You have paper. <laughs> Romans one twenty. Digital. Mark is all digital. Romans one. This is what I call people to study if they were interested. For since the creation of the world, Romans one twenty, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. That, by the way, is a sermon on its own. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the concept of yep. general revelation. I'm actually going to touch on that this coming weekend. Uh, for even though they knew God, verse 21, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations. And their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. They exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals, crawl- crawling creatures, idolatry, right? Verse 24, therefore, so, so what, what did God do? He gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. This is a great passage, by the way. Mm -hmm. Verse 26, again, for this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. Now you study that passage a little bit. That's the the Greek word paradidomai, to give them over. And it literally means he allowed. 
It, it, it is a passive will. It is a demonstration that you're going to reap what you sow here. And so it's not a picture of a bully on a throne making people do these things and reaping the consequences Which goes of them. back to the negative terminologies that I, exactly. was, that I was talking mm-hmm. about. It's like, uh, you know, a, a, bad, a bad sovereign or a bad sure. ruler mm-hmm. um, forces people mm-hmm. to go to church on every Sunday right. or Mindless forces robots. people mm-hmm. yeah forces people to behave you must behave this there's way there's a there's a ditch on either side you one know? ditch is we're mindless yeah. robots so I care and yeah. the other ditch is God is so distant and he doesn't care the the reality and the tension is going to be somewhere in the middle yep. of those two things yeah so that's where we get the decretive mm-hmm. will yeah. and that, the th- what i just read what i just is read is permissive will, will. Yeah. Yes. You, you, i'm going to give you over mm-hmm. to it what's the first example mm-hmm. in the bible oh, i don't want to probably probably the, one of the most famous early examples of permissive will they bit the apple sure yeah god allowed them, Giving do, them do you think that's what he wanted that like option. people people think what what was god's will for adam and eve well if, what was his design for creation? That's why I went there. We, we know what his hope was, but there's something that he allowed to happen mm-hmm. for a reason, and it served his purpose. So mm-hmm. that's an example of the permissive will. The question might still remain, what, how do we know or what's the difference between God's decretive and permissive will, say in that Acts 4 passage? So Acts 4.23, this is where we spent their time, but it says when they had been released, they went to their companions and reported all that had happened with them. And when they heard this, they lifted their voices to God and they chose to respond, O Lord, it is you who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Skip to verse 27. In this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, two people, Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. So four categories. To do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. And then they get into the rest of their mm-hmm. prayer. They ask the Lord to take note of something. Interesting. An omniscient God, they asked him to take note of something. Huh, what's the value of our prayer if he's going to do what he's going to do anyway? Why pray? It's a story for another time. And then they ask him to fill them and uh, speak scripture with confidence, right? That we would speak your truth mm-hmm. and your word with all confidence. Now, the quote recorded in Acts 4, 25 and 26 comes from Psalm 2. That is something Mark covered last year. It speaks of nations and people who rebel against God and his anointed. Why did the Gentiles rage? Why did the peoples diffuse futile things? The Gentiles are the Romans, people are the Jews. Psalm 2 verse 3, you actually you pull that up, Psalm mm-hmm. 2 3, explains why the world rages and plots. Uh, and what does it say they, they want to do? Psalm chapter 2 verse 3. Yep, it says, let us... Tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us? Yeah. Let's tear their fetters apart or burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. What does that mean? That means they don't want to submit to God's sovereignty. They don't realize that God makes his plans and sets rulers in place to enact his plan. And they definitely don't realize that even when they choose rebellion, they actually end up fulfilling God's purpose anyway. See, we start to get the, where the rubber meets the road on God decreeing things to happen. Uh, an example of that in Genesis as well, let there be light. That was not God's permissive will. He didn't allow light. He said, there's gonna be light. And there was, he decreed it. But then there's this permissive will as well. The examples being uh, Herod and Pontius Pilate. So Herod, this is just a couple of verses I wanna share. Mark six seventeen, for Herod himself, had sent forth and laid upon John and bound him in prison. It's a whole, totally different story, Mark chapter 6. The question is, was Herod a mindless robot in that, or was that something that Herod chose to do? 
out of his hatred, right? Luke 3 even describes it as the evils which Herod had done. So Herod being the source of evil in those stories. Pilate comes up in the gospel accounts as well, these two people, Luke 23, 20. Pilate wanting to release Jesus, this is well into the thick of the crucifixion stuff, he addressed the people again, but they kept on calling out saying, crucify him, crucify him. But Pilate says, why? What evil has this man done? I've found no guilt in him demanding death, therefore I will punish him and release him. But they were insistent, and with loud voices they asked him to be crucified, and their will prevailed against Pontius Pilate. So these dudes, free moral agents, chose to do these things against Jesus' will, and then the beautiful irony even there of of Pilate being like, hey, uh, I'm not so sure what we're actually up against here, guys, but their will would be done anyway. God's sovereign plan. There, it's a both it's end. under his umbrella, and there's this middle ground. You can't it, go down either l- listen, ditch. Listen, I'd love to sit here and tell you it's not a both end and, and give you a clear answer, and I'd love for Scripture to give me a clear answer. It doesn't. We live in this tension. God is sovereign, and he's in control. So whatever is happening, there's a good reason for it. But we need to be clear on what God is the source of and what he isn't the source of. Um he cannot, is that me beeping? That is. Oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. I was like, who's beeping? It's the uh, timer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right, we're done. <laughs> ding, ding. Yeah. God's sovereignty's like, nope, we're done. Uh, yeah, how can we understand that he's not going to act out of accordance with his character? So God is not capable of sinning, right? But what do you mean God's not capable of something? God's capable of anything and everything. Yeah, but he's not, you know what I'm saying? The rubber meets the road a little bit on problem passages and what what does it mean that through him all things were made john 1 3 yeah you better believe it through him all things were made but it's having a proper perspective of god and having mm-hmm. an understanding of his character mm-hmm. and his heart that he's a loving god but then understanding that mm-hmm. he is a just god and he is one who will cast judgment when needed mm-hmm. and we were talking earlier we can we can briefly touch on it but romans 9 where i'd like recognizing to, yeah. that you know god is potter we are the clay he Mm -hmm. is he is the one who created all things so how can he not just just give us over i mean he can do whatever he wants with us he can do whatever Mm -hmm. he wants with the world Mm -hmm. and the more and the more here's here's the rub there the more we lean into that the more we lean into that understanding that god can do whatever he wants with us and the more we spend our lives watching for what god wants to do through us Mm -hmm. the more peace the more confident, the more comfort, mm-hmm. the more um, the more fulfilled we are spiritually and personally. It's a higher view yeah. of God, a yeah. smaller view on ourselves. What's yeah. the flip side of the coin that says, oh, sovereign Lord, holy and true? Well, the flip side is I'm none of those things. I am small. I am nothing without him. That's a common question. You mentioned Romans 9, Mark. Well, why would God harden Pharaoh's heart? That's a huge, common, great question. Why would God do that? Because God hardening Pharaoh's heart, that's an example of decretive will. Study Exodus, though. There are two occasions where Pharaoh hardens his own heart, and God allows that to happen, permissive will. They ask that. He begs that question in Romans 9, and Romans 9, 17 answers the question for us. Why would God harden Pharaoh's heart? Verse 17 of Romans 9, for Scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed. Romans 9, 17, beautiful verse. It doesn't say, I hardened your heart for this purpose. It actually says, I raised you up. Meaning not just the hardening of your heart, Pharaoh, but everything about you. 
I saw through to fruition for a purpose, that God's glory would be revealed and proclaimed in all the earth. If we have a large view of God and a small view of ourselves, we don't stumble as easily over the notion that God would harden somebody's heart because that seems unfair. But once you bring up, you mentioned this earlier, Rose, what's the difference between a good king and a bad king? Well, what's our view of good and bad? What's our view of fair or unfair? Right. And uh, what uh, right do we have to claim fair and unfair exactly. or good and you bad? You want to know yeah, what is the good. most, yeah. does it seem unfair that God would harden Pharaoh's heart and then judge him for it? I could see how that seems unfair. Guess what's more unfair than that? That Caleb Pearson's going to heaven. Mm-hmm. Once we start bringing, don't talk to me about fair. When we start talking about a sovereign God versus us. And here's the tiebreaker to all this. If we continue to live in tension, the question is, have we been given enough to live this life and do it anyway? And the answer is yes. The Great Commission is not tied into our understanding of any of this. We don't have the spiritual eyes to see whose heart is hardened, be it their own choice or God doing anything to them. We don't, we have been given a job. We have everything pertaining to life and godliness according to scripture. And so we lean on that. We rest in what we don't know and we act on what we do know. And there's plenty there, enough there to do that. And I love that Romans passage as it continues about Pharaoh and the potter and the clay Mm -hmm. where it says, uh, verse 22, what if God although willing to demonstrate his wrath to make his power known, mm-hmm. endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. Here's It says, and he did so to make known the riches of his, his glory, glory upon vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand mm-hmm. for glory. Uh-huh. And so it's all for God in his own glory. Yep. And so how can we in today's world look at Russia invading Ukraine, Hamas mm-hmm. and Israel and destruction mm-hmm. and looking at all the difficult things and mm-hmm. how is God, is he... Mm -hmm. distant? Is he forcing this to happen? No, it is all a part of his big picture. And, you know, you you can look at scripture and think, okay, that's, that's in the years past, that's foregone, you know, God did all that in the Mm -hmm. past. And where is he now and today? He is still present here now and today in control of all things, Mm -hmm. which can give us, like you said, Rose, peace, hope, rest, knowing that no matter what happens to me personally in Winchester, Virginia, in, in November, 2023, it's all for his glory. Mm-hmm. Here's the point I'd like to, to leave everybody with. God is sovereign, and there are so many ways we don't know how he is, but but that he is. Like That's what I wanted to communicate this weekend is God is sovereign. It is true of his character. So, so how do we live then? If we don't know all the ways in which God is sovereign, but we know that he is, what do we do? Well, we preach mm-hmm. Christ and his message because that's what we, that's because what, that's he, what asked he told to, us to that's do. What he, thank you. you are that's his what he told us to do. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> that's what he told us to do. <laughs> right. So I'm, I'm, I love debating. I, civil discourse is so fun. I think society's losing the ability to disagree with each other in love. I think we need to do more of it. But if you think God wants us wrestling back and forth over some theological tenet, or even worse, some theological camp or acronym that wholeheartedly describes who God is, it's crazy. That's extra biblical because biblically, we need to be busy in the Great Commission and acting out of faith and then also humbling ourselves a little bit, which Mm -hmm. I tried to do Mm -hmm. this weekend and say, hey, a 27-year-old dude has 35 minutes to talk about the sovereignty of God. How can we raise the value of God and his character more so than try to give a congregation all the tools and recipes for recognizing all the small ways in which he's sovereign in their life. Not a lot of room for faith if we, if we water God down to a science that we've understood. 
yeah, well, we certainly can't touch on this in 35-minute sermon mm-hmm. or in a 30-minute podcast. There, there's no way. So continue to wrestle with this on your own, guys. Yeah. I mean, look to Scripture. Look mm-hmm. at all the numerous Scriptures that point to, to God and His mm-hmm. just control mm-hmm. of all that. I mean, do some studies. I mean, look it's, it up. It's, you know? And, and I, I love that. And, and to, to do this kind of thing and get to teach it and get to see it and be a part of the local church where people want to know more, that's the goal of it. Like if any, if everybody's leaving a sermon saying "sweet, I got it," that worries me more than somebody saying, things, "I still have questions." Caleb P at exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then if it's really, really hard, Mark C at no, yeah. I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, it's fun to do. And and just just a heads up, I'm talking about signs and wonders this coming weekend. Whoa, good luck. So yeah, we're staying in the realm of uh, controversy and disorientation here, but the Bible speaks on these things, and we can have a biblical framework for wrestling with it. And I think that's the goal. The goal is not to dole out answers six random weeks here before we hit the Christmas season. The goal is to equip the people of God mm-hmm. to wrestle and ultimately think biblically about yeah. these things. All think... those symptoms that theologians brought up, mm-hmm. the unbiblical means get us there to the disorientation. At least I'm the kind of learner that if I have my own questions and I have to go find the answers, I'm gonna, mm. I'm going to understand, resolve, and um, and think. And so I appreciate actually being left with questions and having mm. the opportunity to just kind of, you know, wrestle with the questions just a little bit. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. I well, mean, it's the point of the podcast, right? Thanks yeah. for sharing because oh, yeah. I mean, again. There's so much more to learn about God. We are mm-hmm. just peons in yeah. light of all of this stuff. And like, <laughs> it's just interesting, mind blowing to think about a God mm-hmm. who is like that, who mm-hmm. has just the depth and, and breadth of who he is. If you're going to remember anything from this podcast, 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are mm-hmm. faithless, he remains faithful. Mm-hmm. He cannot deny himself. I mean, that is something to cling to. Yep, it's awesome. Well, there's a couple things to look forward to, guys, in the upcoming weeks ahead. Um, you've heard a little bit about the, the sermon series and where that's going, but all around the church ministry is happening. Um, you name it, you can go to fbcva.org to learn more about many details, which includes Follow the Star coming up right around the, the corner. season. Um, you can actually help connect and serve um with preparing for the Christmas season yourself with engaging in the Winchester Parade, um, Follow Star has a float for that. So you can um, sign up to just basically go and hand out some flyers and just reach the community around us for Christ and point them to Follow the Star and what the birth of Christ looks like. And on that same night, November 27th, there's something called Hanging of the Greens. So Rose, I'm going to give you a couple seconds here. Thanks. With your couple job seconds. title title <laughs> of creative designer, yeah. how, how is the church going to be... Um, prepared for the Christmas season. Well, I'll just throw um, the word Advent, which many of us celebrate. Some celebrate, some don't, but Advent comes from the Latin, which is Adventus, which means the coming of Christ. And Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. the season of Advent, which starts, you know, around the end of November, beginning of December, is an opportunity to just remind ourselves that Christ came in flesh um, to uh, to our earth to reconcile us to God. And so um, we want to help this building reflect the importance and the weight of that by just giving us some decorations here and there. And um, 
uh, one of the one of the heartbeats of my heart, if you haven't heard me talk about this on this podcast, is families worshiping together and mm. generations worshiping together. Because I do think the older generation has so much to teach our kids and our grandkids. And um, so we have a night of worship where we come together and we ask God to bless our efforts and to bring glory to himself through the Christmas season. We pray for follow the star and we just enjoy some cookies, hot chocolate and some good old fashioned Christmas tree decorating if you like to decorate this <laughs> it's is very night. fun so and it's for all ages i the the most precious moments are when those little two-year-olds hang the ornament <laughs> on the tree but then on sunday they come back mm. and now they're part of this body they're not little two-year-olds awesome. they're part of mm. this body because they look at the christmas tree that they helped decorate that. and that mm-hmm. adults are mm. you know blessed and honored and god's glorified in the process mm. and it's just a really fun thing so families I have a heartbeat together. for it yeah families worshiping together through serving and blessing the church yeah. all at the same time yeah it's it, it's yeah. everything that i'm passionate about all in one night mm-hmm. yep so, so I, put it on your calendar yeah if you're not at the parade come do the hanging of the greens it's November not 27, cold at oh wow come do something on monday november 27th yeah well, the fact of the matter, guys, is that sermons are not meant just to take an hour, um, but rather transform a lifetime. Rose, thanks for being here. Caleb, you too. Yeah, man. Until next week, much love. God bless.